On this episode of Resi Week, we talk Palooza, tapping into your hive, and when systems fail. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 365, Tackling Ad Hoc. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I am pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Mark Feinberg. He's the president of Home Theater Advisors in New York City. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Matt. It's good to be in in southern new york it feels like it's southern new york south carolina it feels like south carolina it's like 50 degrees out it's awesome that's lovely we no, we haven't had that for a couple weeks which is also lovely then uh we've got my good buddy grandma tim albright uh he's the founder of aviation how you doing buddy i am doing fantastic and you're just jealous of my hair nope not really yes i am i know mark is i'm not well Mark's jealous of your hair too, and that's just yeah, I'm jealous of any Mark's... hair. <laughs> other, other than like oh, that, <laughs> I, I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know where to take that. Oh gosh! All right, We've gentlemen, already gone down a rabbit hole. We don't already down, down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I meant to pull this ahead. Last week on the show, we talked about just before we jump in, we talked about the Leon lookbook a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I reached out to our, our friends over at Leon, and they sent me one. And hey, if you're a Leon dealer, go get this thing. If you're a manufacturer, go get this thing and make one of these for your clients, like for your dealers, because this thing is phenomenal. Um, I spent a few minutes looking through it. Uh, and yeah, having really, really good manufactured photography, again, from installs that we've all done that you can show designers and homeowners is incredible. Go do this. It's simple. Please, for the love of God, reach out to Leon, figure out who they did it with. You can do it too. All right. Um, we're going we're gonna to change topics. Uh, I was just very impressed with that. Uh, this comes to us from Residential Tech Today and our good friend, Jeremy Glowacki. Lightapalooza 2023 is going to feature 60 plus hours of lighting training out in Phoenix, Arizona in February, which I I hear is a good time to be in Phoenix. It's probably a little warmer than it is up here. Um, But I like the snow, so I don't care. That being said, they've got, uh, as I said, 60 plus hours, uh, a boatload of manufacturers, um, all talking about lighting and how lighting can help your business. Mark, let me start with you on this one. If you're not already in to the lighting game, if you're not doing lighting and we're not talking control, we're talking typically uh, fixtures and actual lighting design. How do you go about getting into a vertical that is typically a direct competitor of one of your subtrades, i.e. the electricians? The second you like, we don't really sell much else in our world that competes with all of the, like the, uh, sub trades that we work with. Lighting is a different animal. You have to be, I I'm assuming you have to be a little cautious before you just jump in and start 
pitching lighting on every project right beside your electrician, especially if the electrician brought you in. Yes, especially like, and that's one thing we don't step on toes, right? If a, if a, if a designer brought us in and they're selling shading, we'll talk to the designer about the shading options that we provide and automated and shading, but we're not going to bring that up to the client without the designer kind of buying into that coming from us first. So I think it's somewhat similar. If the electrician brought you in, you've got to work with them on it. Um, we do a lot of lighting control. We don't do any lighting fixtures or lighting design. Um, I don't think I have a huge desire to go there personally. Um, you become very, it becomes very design intensive, you know, mm -hmm. picking chandeliers and picking fixtures and picking, you know, how are you going to light this art? You've really, you can't just, it's not like shading where it's like, go get some training, figure out how to install it and pick a few fabrics. Um, I think it's even more design focused than shading is. Uh, so if you want to do it, you've got to go down that path. You've got to really get the education. You've really got to understand the design. How does the light affect an area, a room, a feature, a wall, whatever. And you've got to fully understand all of that. You can't just go in and say, hey, I'm going to sell lighting. I mean, listen, I sort of did that with shading. I put some shades in my, in my home. I integrated them. I lived with them. I figured out how to install them. And, you know, I can start, I can start selling shading. I don't think you can do that with lighting design. I think you have to understand the design of lighting design. So, Tim, I, I like what he's saying because he's, he's down the vein that I love in the, the design aspect mm -hmm. of lighting. I have yet to meet a single electrician. And to be very fair, the majority of interior designers and decorators who have any understanding of how to actually light a painting or light a room properly or layer light at all. Most people that are getting into the lighting game, especially on the AV side, they're starting with pod lights can lights, you know, ceiling lights, whatever you, whatever you call them in your region, that's all they're doing. They're not really doing a whole lot more than what the electrician is when he walks in and goes, huh? Yeah. You're going to need about nine up here. Maybe one in the middle. It'll be great. That's all you need. Perfect. That's all they do. Typically well, to that point, Matt, I don't know if then, then you're concerned about competing with electrician. I don't think electricians make it any money on the sale of those lights, they're making the money on the installation of them. So they oh, may yeah. not really care if you sell if you sell the fixtures. Maybe, but you're still stepping on their toes. So Tim, what, what I want to what I want to ask you is, when you're looking at this and and looking at going down the lighting vein, do you look at it as like a traditional construction avenue, or or integration avenue of your business, or do you look at it at a, as a as a separate design focus? Because to Mark's point. Most integrators that play with shades, they care about the design feature, but they're more, they're selling it based on, check this out. We can put the shade up and you can push a button and the shades will all go up. They're not doing the, you really need this really nice bisque shade. It will complement the paint in your room so nicely. No, because typically, typically you're, you're working with a designer, right? You're working with an interior designer who will tell you it, it takes a bisque, um, shade for, for that room and and then mark's going to say okay that's great here here's the lines that i carry here's the three different types of bisque right and what sort of control do you have as opposed to going in and saying you know here's the types of and the the lumens and the color temperature of, of the lighting in in you know i've learned a lot from you matt about lighting design sorry what was that i said i've learned a lot from you about lighting design 
Perfect. Thank you. We do, we're just going to cut that. Which isn't much I've learned from you. Yeah. Uh, but um, you, you, there, there are certain there are certain dealers who can 100% go in and go, you, you've got an art collection, right? And, and, and there's a gentleman who works for a manufacturer now, but was a, a longtime integrator in New York that, that we all three know who worked uh, in the New York space and was on higher end stuff and, and worked with several higher end clients. And he and his team could go in and go, oh, this client has an art collection. This is the type of lighting you want for that, right? Uh, and their designers could go in and could specify the, t the color temperature, the types of lights, the set in there, and then they would work on integrating the control and the types of, of experience the client would want. A designer is going to say, this is the feeling, right? This is the color. This is the, the mood I want to create. They're not going to come in and say, well, this is the load, right? That's the EC's job. That's the electrical, mm -hmm. electrical contractor's job. On the other side, the electrical contractor, you're right, Mark's right, is not going to go, oh, you need this, that, and the other. You need three three amps, right, for this room. That That's what they know. And the zone. And so those two working together with the integrator in the middle would make a nice three legged stool to get the client ultimately what they want, which is the right color, right? Amplifying the space or amplifying the art or whatever it is they want to highlight, having the distribution properly, right? Because the vast majority of, of, of AV dealers are not electricians. They're not trained electricians. So they don't know that side, but the, the integrator will do just that. They'll integrate the design side and the electrical load side together with the AV and make it all one seamless experience for the client. Mm -hmm. um, so 100%, they should be in this game and they should know enough about the EC and the loads as well as the design aspect to be able to talk to both groups and say, guys, let's, let's get in gals, let's get together. This is what we, what we can really create for the client. At the end of the day, the client's ultimately happier than they would be if just one person, if one if one trade sold them the lights. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, gentlemen, let's change topics for a second. This comes to us from Residential Systems and a good fan or friend of the show. Uh, hopefully he's a fan too. Mr. Henry Clifford, tapping into your company's hive mind. Uh, read through the article. As always, it's uh, a really succinct um, topic and, and covering the concept of doing essentially and all hands speeding with uh, essentially everybody in your, your company and sitting down and, and, you know, not just taking the people that wanted to show up uh, or the, uh, the, the employees that you thought were best suited for this. And as, uh, essentially they, they did the math and, and figured out what their committee meetings were running that they were doing once a month uh, and, and looked at that billable time and then realized uh, how much they think that they can save in efficiencies uh, from getting essentially feedback and, and input from everyone from the basic installer level all the way up uh, to senior management. Tim, you're you're now in a, a significantly larger company uh, than it was back in the day when it was just the four of us. How do you go about determining the the, the timeline for these? And, and I don't mean like how long the meeting is going to run, but how often do you need to have an all hands meeting? How long, how often do you need to have like a, um, uh, a project lead meeting 
with with all your people that are working on on managing those projects versus everybody involved versus senior management. How do you find the cadence for getting stuff done versus meeting for the sake of meeting? Um, so internally, we're we're a big fan of Vern Harnish and and a book he wrote a number of years ago called, called Scaling Up. And uh, Vern's overarching uh, philosophy is that type of meeting happens at least once a week, right? And um, that is from a project management standpoint, from a uh, purchasing standpoint, from a uh, tech standpoint, and from a uh, salesperson standpoint. So everybody's kind of on the same page and they understand where the project is going, right? Don't to tell, need to tell anybody, uh, you two or anybody listening, Purchasing and, and procurement right now is a little bit um, difficult uh, with, with supply chain. I, I don't care what what manufacturers are telling you, uh, it's still difficult. And so having those weekly meetings will help the PMs say, okay, you know, this is what we're telling, this is what we told the clients last week. This is where we're, this is where we're at. So we can update and, and quite frankly, manage those expectations. And uh, the techs can understand kind of where they're at on their list of jobs and go, okay, well, this job might be paused for a minute or this job needs to be rushed because of whatever's happening on the client side. So having those weekly touches is, is incredibly, incredibly important. Yeah, that's really good. Mark, you, you and I are kind of in the same boat um, company size. And, and I think you and I are very similar to the majority of our listeners uh, and the majority of integration companies in the residential side, right? How do you go about doing this or, or getting the same effect with this with a smaller company where it might be a little overkill to have, have a weekly meeting with everybody for an hour with your staff once a week? Right. I, I don't disagree. And well, let's, let's face it. Everybody for the majority of the people in this industry is going to be three to six people. Mm-hmm. So it's not that hard to pull together. You know, kids are seeing each other every day anyways. And the, you probably don't need an hour because you have a lot, you all know a lot more of what's going on. I think it's, we tackle a lot of what Henry was talking about, but in much more of an ad hoc way, you know, we'll, we'll be in the truck on the way back from a job. And we'll talk about like what went well, what didn't, Oh, you know, we should, we should from now on, you know, we, we've started like a, a company Evernote um, notebook so that we keep all the, you know, little bits and pieces that we learn about, you know, what are the right button combinations for the spectrum cable box to pair the remote with it or stupid things like that. Um, so we're not always Googling things. So ideas like that come out of just having a problem and more break fix mm-hmm. as opposed to planning. Um, you know, I was in corporate America for, for 20 years of over 20 years of my career. And it's, you can, um, there's a lot of, paralysis in meetings people would, you know you have these big meetings every week 30 people would come five would talk people were you know either on their blackberries or whatever else and, and zoning out um you know, having a weekly meeting for the sake of having a weekly meeting can backfire as well it's just a waste of time i do like that henry's company was looking at what's the what's the return on investment mm-hmm. what, what does it cost to have this meeting and what are we what are we getting from that what's the roi in this meeting and presumably if they get to a point where there is no roi or, or, or not enough ROI, they will have the meetings less frequently. Um, but I think for a smaller company, I think it's a little bit more ad hoc. You just have to, you know, pull people aside. You, you're going to finish a job early. You're going to have a slow day. So instead of saying, hey, everybody go home at two o'clock. Hey, you know what, guys, let's sit down and talk about 
let's look at the calendar the last two weeks and talk about each of the jobs that was there. What problems did you run into? What happened? Yeah. Um, how can we make it better next time? Like what kind of processes can we put in place? What kind of documentation can we put in place? Any, um, you know, any products, any apps? I mean, I, I just signed up for this app called Company Cam where yeah. – you take pictures. I found it on Facebook. I mean, the first thing I think I've ever bought from Facebook. But you, it allows you to take. It's it's a cloud storage of pictures. You can take pictures. You can do to do lists. You can do project notes, project by project, and everyone has has access to the app and has access to the account. So we're now sharing pictures across this cloud service as opposed to everybody cluttering up their personal camera rolls and then having to text photos back and forth of what mm -hmm. happened or what we saw. So it's make it's it, that helped communication. So those things, sometimes you'll see a product that you'll be like, Oh, that might help us. Sometimes you'll talk as a group and say, what can we learn? And sometimes you'll be like, wow, this was a disaster. How do we prevent that from happening again? But I think of a company our size is just going to have to, it's, it's going to, it's not going to be as formalized. Yeah. That's a really good point. If you were wondering what a Blackberry was, that, that was the phone before iPhones. They actually came from Canada. It was it was a really big deal. It, it, it was it was it was Rim, man. They 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 they, they had the market. They, they totally did. screwed up. They did. Uh, in in probably ten years, our kids will learn about it in business school about what not to do, how to run a company into the ground. And what not to do along, alongside block, uh, Blockbuster. Yeah, that one just faded out. That that wasn't necessarily their fault. Rims was yeah, that was uh, oh, no, no, Black Blockbuster didn't keep up with Netflix. Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix for like what five million? Yeah, I think it was something reasonable, yeah. That was an oversight. A minor oversight. All right. Let's let's hit our last story of the day. This comes to us from CE Pro. When building automation systems go awry. If you if you haven't seen this story, it is quite comical. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll try to give you a, a real quick synopsis. Uh, there's a high school in Massachusetts that was doing a, uh, a renovation and they decided the, the board decided they were going to go with this automated, like environmentally friendly lighting system. Long and short, the, the company that did the automation went under, was bought a couple of times and the, the software failed. And they've got exterior lights that will not shut off. They cannot control them without flipping the breaker, which is just awesome. Um, and again, they, they can't seem to solve this. They can't seem to uh, fix it with a, essentially ripping the whole thing out, uh, which, which they've, they've done a full upgrade to, to get this dealt with. And there's the typical things that you would expect, blaming supply chain, blaming the previous integrators, all those things that we, we do on a daily basis. Mark, <clears throat> let, me, let me start with you on this one. How can we, or can we protect against doing this to our clients and setting them up with the potential to have an issue that we really can't solve? Well, I think <laughs> kind of against what most integrators are doing, there's a few integrators out there who are doing, who, who are doing away with the rack and, and localizing everything, right? So mm -hmm. lighting control, they're just doing, you know, smart keypads, you know, from Lutron or Control 4, but not centralized lighting. They're not doing a video matrix. They're doing an Apple TV or a Roku and a cable box at every TV. Um, that is a way to avoid a systemic failure. If there's a failure of one part, it's going to affect one room or mm -hmm. one light. It's not going to affect the whole home. I'll be honest, I shy away from centralized lighting for that very reason. If the processor fails, 
if something goes wrong with that centralized lighting system, the client loses control of every light in the house. Whereas if you just do what Control 4 calls wireless lighting, which is the each individual mm-hmm. dimmer handles a load and is smart. Okay, if a dimmer dies, a dimmer dies, that light doesn't work. Yes, that sucks, but it's not going to make your house unusable. Um, you can always throw a mechanical switch in there if you needed to temporarily. So, I mean, I think one, unfortunately, one way to avoid it is to simplify our systems a little bit and not do as complicated systems and keep them a little bit more localized. Um, you're never going to be able to avoid technical failures, hardware failures, software failures, an upgrade gone wrong, an update, a firmware update gone wrong. Those things are going to happen. Um, and as we saw over the last three years, you know, supply chain issues can happen. Um, now, I'm not taking my own medicine. I still do a, I, I still, a, I still do a rack. I just don't do centralized lighting. Um, I do do centralized video as much as audio and video as much as I can now. So, but I think that if you really truly want to have it never happen, it's don't do it as a as a centralized system. That's a good point, Tim. Let me let me kind of change the direction slightly. How do you go about handling this when it happens? And, and I'll give you a couple examples. Um, the last year and a bit, we've lost um, Oro has essentially gone under uh, for all intents and purposes. Uh, Insteon canceled their, I believe it was called Blue. Um, Sonos had an issue a couple of years ago where they sunsetted a bunch of devices and they became standalone and then not really supported. Um, we've, uh, my company currently is dealing with a bunch of uh, surveillance systems, CCTV systems, where the manufacturer has been now bought and sold multiple times and then dropped. And we can't, we, we, we don't have, as, as phones have advanced, our clients have lost their ability to remotely view their cameras because the apps aren't supported and nothing works. When that happens, how do you communicate that to a client? How do you have that conversation of stuff happens, we're sorry, but here's here's our solution going forward. Is there a way to do that uh, diplomatically without getting yelled at? Because I'm tired of getting yelled at is, is well, what I'm saying here. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a couple things. And, and this is not, this is, this is Tim Albright personal um, uh, opinion, right? This is why the client needs to own the code, right? Uh, first and foremost. And um, there are programmers and, and control and automation programmers and dealers who will argue with me up one side and down the other. Um, but this is, this is why. Because if the original integrator goes out of business, well, then they still have it, right? They still they still have it. And um, depending on which version of, of an integrator, I'll pick on one for a second. Um, Dave Hatz, a number of years ago, this is probably three or four jobs ago for Dave. Uh, he was told on a Friday afternoon that the company he worked for was going out of business that day. And Hatz, to his credit, spent the Friday copying the code for clients that he personally knew and and worked on to get them access to that. Because if he hadn't, then those clients wouldn't have access to that and they'd be in the same position. So that's number one. Okay. The second part, and and that that's on the integrator side, right? If an integrator goes out of business, then the client still has the ability to hand that off to -hmm. somebody like Mark or somebody like you and say, here, here's the last known working code that my last integrator had. 
second part you're asking though is is on the manufacturing side the manufacturer goes out of business or they stop supporting the app that really that that that's not that's technically not on you because the manufacturer going out of business is not you know is not inherently your fault or your your but it is your problem because you, you're the one you know tasked with supporting it and for that is is constant and open communication um, one of the things that I've learned it, it, being at CTI is um, giving you a reason to contact and giving you a reason to uh, get a hold of your clients right that's imp imperative in continuing the sales process and continuing the relationship and so as you're seeing um, stories or as the the manufacturers are updating you on what's going on that's assuming they are right not mm -hmm. not at, not every time a company goes out of business are they gonna you know send out a, a flag and say hey by the way guys we're going away um, sometimes you just happen upon their website one day and holy crap they're, they're out of business but communicating that and saying hey um, you have in your system right and whatever CRM you guys use, you, you should be able to go in, into your CRM and say, okay, type in, you know, um, X10 lighting, right? And that for, for people who are not old enough, just go Google it. It's fine. Um, hey, Terrible. we noticed that, that you have X10 lighting that we installed 30 years ago. They're no longer in business. Um, so we're, you're certainly more than, more than uh, willing to, or we're more, more than willing to support it as long as we can, but there's no more updates. There's no more available product to keep that system up and running here are your options right and it, it's it's not it, it's not being um uh, opportunistic you're informing them right you're giving them options you don't have to do anything right now if your system's working fine great awesome groovy but if it's an app-based system there will come a point in time when that app will no longer work because apple is going to update their os or android is going to update their mm -hmm. os at that point in time if you want to maintain the, the functionality that you have today, well, then we'll have to look at some of these options. And here's some great companies over here that have a similar feel and function uh, and in the same price range, right? So it does, it get, comes down to communication with your clients. As you know something, they pretty much need to know it. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, gentlemen, let's leave it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Tim, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Aviation or CTI, how can they do that? They don't. They can't. That's fine. All he does is He's tweet so about the Bears fuzzy. and the St. Louis uh, Blues. Is that is that what their name the is? Blues. Uh, the the St. Louis soccer team coming up. So that's exciting. Isn't that football? Professional soccer in St. Louis. So that's cool. No. Um, for Aviation, Aviation TV, uh, and for CTI, CTI.com. Uh, and and we don't do homes or residential, but we 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 know folks. Um, and. Uh, if we're in New York, we call Mark. And if we're ever in Canada, we call Matt. Uh, and if we're anything west of the Mississippi, uh, there's a young man out of um, San Francisco uh, that we get a hold of. So he's not in the business anymore. He's out. All right. Uh, Mark, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Home Theater Advisors. Best is Mark at Home Theater Advisors or at HT Advisors uh, throughout social media. Excellent. Thank you both again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.